It is the Sunday after Easter, and as great as Easter Sunday was here at Enon, I just want to remind everyone that Jesus is just as alive today as he is on Easter Sunday. Can we get a big amen to that this morning? And I say that in all sincerity. If you are here this morning and you are in need of meeting with a living God, we want you to know that Jesus is available today. And if you would like to talk about that, if you have any questions about that, please uh, let us know. But he is alive, he sees you, and he is available uh, to save. But that being said, uh, we should praise the Lord uh, for what God did this past week in an incredible way uh, here at Enon. We had such a great Easter weekend and Holy Week, and we have a lot of hallelujah moments that we want to just share with you briefly. So first off, you know, we saw uh, much of what we saw this uh, last weekend. It all kind of started off with a great community outreach event that took place on Wednesday night with our community family egg hunt. You know, this year our staff team headed up by Brian Rice, our, our children's minister. Didn't I almost called him our music minister, by the way. That had been funny. Uh, our uh, children's minister did an incredible job planning and really executing just a flawless uh, event and fun time. Uh, we estimate that we had between 2,500 and 3,000 people uh, in attendance. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. You know, last year, uh, we were not expecting the crowd. We kind of did the first time we'd ever done this, and we had 5,000 eggs that disappeared like locusts. And so uh, this year, we vowed that that would never happen again, so we gave away 40,000 eggs uh, this year, and they still disappeared like locusts, y'all. It was unreal. But everybody got an egg this year, which was great. And uh, we gave away eight free bicycles to some sweet kiddos in the crowd. We gave away just under 1,000 snow cones. Uh, to the kids in the community. So the sugar high that everybody endured on Wednesday evening, all the parents, we are responsible for that. So, uh, But the best part was we got to tell everyone that was there uh, that Jesus loves them, invite them to our Easter service, and that he is alive. And I'll just tell you a cool story. We prayed beforehand that not only would we sow some gospel seeds, but we prayed that God would draw some people to himself uh, out that Wednesday night. And I think it was after about the second or third egg hunt, I had a young lady come up to me, and she was very kind. She was a mother and introduced herself to me. And she said, Pastor Zach, I just want to let you know that I'm an atheist. But as you were talking about Jesus being alive, I can't help, but I don't really understand this, but I feel unusually drawn uh, to that, and I need to know more. And so I got to share the whole gospel with her, and she talked about how God was moving and working in her life, and I got to pray with her, and she said she was going to come and join us on, a Easter, on Easter Sunday. We hope that she did. And so, isn't that great? That's why we do those things. Can we just praise the Lord for that, those gospel opportunities? And then, let's get to the Easter Saturday night, Sunday worship services. We prayed that God would draw people here to Enon, uh, that, uh, that they would get to hear about Jesus being alive. And, and Easter was a great uh, worship service. So thankful for Brother Ken and, and Brother Micah and all that they did musically and then our children's ministry and all that. Uh, we had three different worship services on Saturday night, two on Sunday morning. Uh, last year, we set a record attendance for Enon. We broke the thousand people mark for a, a, a worship weekend. So we had 1,100 people last year, which was a record record-breaking uh, thing for Easter uh, here at Enon. Well, the Lord did it again, and so between all three services at Enon, we had 1,505 people here uh, at Enon on Easter Sunday. Isn't that great? And guys, let me say, that is a huge part to just prayer and you guys inviting people. And so we believe that God still uses the invite. And we saw that. And so this is the greatest part about the weekend. So in every service, in all three services, we had people express that they had made a decision to ask Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of their life. So let's praise the Lord for that. We had, we had, four, uh, we had four of them actually marked that on their card that they had given their life to Christ. Uh, and then we had several, we had five or six that marked on their card uh, that they were interested in learning more about becoming a Christian. So we started visiting some of those people this last week and uh, we got to lead another person to Jesus at their home this last week coming off of Easter. And then we had just under 50, we had 49 people marked that they were interested in learning more about Enon and about our church. So let's praise the Lord for that and all that God was doing there. It was right after the Saturday night service, I had a young mother come to me at our guest central area, and this is what she told me. She said, Pastor Zach, uh, I can count on one hand how many times that I have been in a church, and I don't know anything about this, but I know that I need Jesus. 
And I asked her, I said, well, did you pray and ask Jesus to save you tonight? She said, I did. And I said, well, let me tell you this. We can figure out the next steps here uh, in the days ahead. And we're going to do that. By the way, she was here this morning, the first service. said, we can figure all that out, the next steps. But this is what you need to know tonight is that you made the most important decision. And you can go home tonight and lay your head on your pillow and know that your sins are forgiven and that you are a daughter of Jesus, man. Praise the Lord that God is still a God who saves. But that being said, honestly, what God has been doing among people's hearts and lives, I want you to know this morning that if you have recently asked Jesus to save you, or if you have recently rededicated your life to the Lord, I want to give you two quick things this morning uh, that can help you continue to grow in your relationship with Christ. First, you need to make that decision public through baptism. And so if you have never been baptized or maybe that you were baptized as a child or an infant, you didn't really understand that, but but now you know that you've given your life to Christ, that's a huge spiritual marker for you to say, I belong to Jesus through baptism. And so as Brother Zach said earlier, on Sunday, May the 7th, that's just a few weeks away, we're going to have a big baptism Sunday. And if you're interested in saying, I want to make my faith in Christ public, then mark on your little connect card right there in front of you that you're interested in baptism, that little blue card. And then secondly, you need to connect in the church. And so none of us were designed to do life with God on our own. And that's why God designed the church. And so two main ways that you can do that at Enon, connecting in the church, is first, visit a life group. Connect in a life group. Those happen at both hours. So you can go to a life group at 9 o'clock and come to 1030 worship or vice versa. Uh, And you can meet with people your age and your stage of life that can make some godly friendships. Movements of God happen among friends. And so if you would like to grow in your relationship with Christ, you can't do that on your own. If you would like more questions about a life group, let us know. And again, you can mark that on your card or you can come see one of us. Uh, But also, uh, you need to maybe make Enon your church home. There's something about church membership that says, this is where I belong. It gives you an opportunity to serve and it gives you an opportunity to invite the church into your heart and life. And so if you're interested in making Enon your church home, uh, then on Sunday night, April the 30th, just a couple weeks away, we're going to have our starting point dinner. And I encourage you, sign up today. You can even write that on your little card in front of you. Just write starting point and give us your name and information, and we will reach out to you. So those are two big steps. But friends, in light of all that God has been doing here at Enon, honestly... Uh, it is, and I say this all humbly, it is a continuation of what God has been doing in recent months. Praise God that we, we have seen him working and moving among us. Uh, and so in light of that, we need to be prepared in the days ahead here at Enon. So the title of our uh, message this morning is A Vision for the Future. And I want to ask you to turn on your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah is one of my favorite books in the Old Testament. It tells the story of how God used an Israelite man to lead the people of God to rebuild the wall around Jerusalem and the city uh, in Jerusalem after they had been exiled for almost a century. It's a story of a great movement of God among his people. We pick up in Nehemiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. This is just after Nehemiah arrives back at Jerusalem and among the ruins that eventually he's going to help rebuild and call the people to rebuild. But he is, that's, he's just arrived there, beginning in verse 11. So I invite you to stand with me today in reverence to the reading of God's Word. And again, if you can't stand physically, I invite you to stand in your hearts. Nehemiah 2, beginning in verse 11. He said, so I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. And I rose in the night, I and a few men with me, and I did not tell anyone what my God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. And there was no animal with me except the animal in which I was riding. So I went out at night by the valley gate in the direction of the dragon's well and on to the refuse gate, inspecting the walls of Jerusalem which were broken down and its gates which were consumed by fire. Then I passed on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was no place for my mount to pass. So I went up at night by the ravine and inspected the wall. Then I entered the valley gate again and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone, what I had done, nor had I as yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, and the officials, or the rest who did the work. Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in? 
that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. And so they put their hands to the good work. Let's pray. Lord, I, I truly pray this morning as we look at some plans for the days ahead, is that, God, I, I believe that you're not absent from these things. Lord, that you're a God of the details. And so, Lord, I pray, God, thank you for all that you're doing at Enon. God, thank you for people allowing us to be a part of seeing people getting saved. And, God, you growing your church and the kingdom. God, thank you for that. And, Lord, we don't want to be behind you. God, we don't want to be in front of you. God, I truly pray we want to follow you. And, Lord, I pray today, God, would you give us great unity. God, would we be a people who would say, let us arise and build and put our hands to the work. Father, we love you, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, God has blessed his church here at Enon, and, and all throughout the years, we did the 150-year anniversary. It was so encouraging to me to get to see the, the, the over century and a half of God's working among his people here at Enon. And, and those blessings have come in different ways over the decades here at Enon. But most recently, uh, we have seen God's blessing here at, at Enon, Enon in a couple of different ways. We've seen it uh, numerically, we've seen it financially, and we've seen it uh, organizationally. Since January 21 to the present, so we're not talking very long, two years, our Sunday morning total worship attendance has increased from roughly just a little over 400 to right at about 700 on average in attendance. Let's praise the Lord for that here today. Also, in that same time frame, and this is just as important, if not more of important, in that same time frame, our life groups, which are people really connecting, not just coming to Sunday morning, but really connecting the life of the church, have increased from about 350 to over 500 on average in just about two years. Guys, this is unprecedented uh, growth that's really, really a God thing. Also, at the same time, we've seen uh, God bless our giving here at Enon. In the last two years, two and a half years, our yearly budget at Enon has increased by roughly a half a million dollars. And we've adopted a 90-10 policy where basically we're calling the church, we're, as we call the church to live, where you live off the 90 and you give the 10 as far as your tithe, we're trying to do the same thing. Most churches base their budget off of whatever they brought in the previous year. Well, what we've done is we are basing our budget off of 90% of what we brought in the previous year. And the purpose of that is it gives us opportunity to have some margin, but it also gives us an opportunity to save and prepare for things in the days ahead. In just the last year and a half, we've been able to save just under $600,000 in an account to go towards facilities and future advancements uh, here at Enon. That's incredible in such a short amount of time. But we've also been able to save close to $150,000 that we put in a sending account and brothers, that go forth. We'll share more about that in the days ahead. But we're, we're able to help scholarships and people that are going on mission trips. And we're able to support some church planners and missionaries and people all over the world. Because of your faithfulness to give, we're, allowing, we're getting an opportunity to be a part of seeing people come to know Jesus in Alabama all the way to the nations. And we've had an opportunity to grow organizationally. Uh, since January 2021, we have grown organizationally in that we've been able to add two more full-time ministers to our staff. Also, we've been able to take one minister from part-time to full-time. We've been able to add some other support staff and some other internships and people that are continuing to help us grow and reach more people here at Enon. Church, I can honestly say this that I feel like that we have the best staff team at Enon that I have ever served with. They pray hard, they work hard, they love hard, and they believe big. In fact, if you love our staff team, our ministers here at Enon, can you give them a big hand? They are such an encouragement uh, to me. And then the blessings of God that God has given us, I just want you to know today that they are attributed uh, first and foremost just to the glory of God. And his desire 
to advance the gospel through the church. I, I believe that any church that's willing to pray, that's willing to share the gospel, that's willing to give, that's willing to do the things that God has called us to do, I think God is waiting for those types of churches that he can advance the kingdom of God through. And so like Nehemiah said, honestly, and I say this in, in, in all honesty, I believe that the reason why God has been doing a work here at Enon is truly just because, as Nehemiah said, the hand of God has been favorable to us. It's all for the glory and praise of Jesus. But that being said, anytime that God is at work, that means movement and change. You know, one of the greatest signs that something is alive is that it's moving. When God is alive in his church, he is always moving his people to what he has next, towards his vision for the future. If you look at the early church, if you read the book of Acts, you can say a lot of things were going on among those people, but sitting still was not one of them. They were always following God's leadership. Friends, I'll tell you, the truth is that if you're a person who hates change, you will probably be very uncomfortable in a growing church. As we see in our text this morning, God was desiring to do a work of rebuilding and restoration among his people in Jerusalem. And he used Nehemiah to help towards what God had for them in the future. Several months ago, in light of our present growth and our anticipated growth in the days ahead, I felt like the Lord was leading me to assemble two teams here at the church that would be very important for the days ahead. The first team that we assembled was a long-range planning team that was tasked with researching our present needs and future needs of our church, and they were tasked to come back to the church with some recommendations for the future. Not long after that team was assembled, we felt the need to assemble a potential sanctuary renovation team to assess present needs in this facility and to work alongside the long-range planning team to accommodate their recommendations for this space since we knew that it was going to be such a big part of any long-range plan because this is our largest space. And so we presented these teams at church conference. These teams have been working tirelessly the last six to eight months, and they will be presenting two recommendations to the church next Sunday night at our regular church conference. You know, we always do that once a month. We, we pray from six to seven, and then we have our church conference. I felt that it was always best to, to pray before you go into a business meeting. Amen. Anyway, that's a, that's a joke, by the way. We've never had a bad business meeting here at Enon. But I want to say this, that if you've served on one of these teams, can you stand real quick right there where you are on the sanctuary renovation team or long-range planning team? Hey, can we thank the Lord for these people? They're, they're going to be available. Guys, you can be seated, or if you have somewhere to go, they have life groups and things to attend, but they're going to be available in the foyer uh, at the conclusion of our service today to answer any questions. But I would especially like to thank Amy Rice for chairing that long-range planning team and for Jennifer Haynes for chairing that sanctuary renovation team. Uh, this morning, these teams have asked me to share with the church their recommendation, uh, their recommended plans, and how they arrived at these recommendations. In many ways... I believe these teams have followed the pathway given in Nehemiah. And so I want to say this on the front end. This is not typical here at Enon. We don't typically talk about these things on Sunday morning. This is not my typical sermon, okay? If you're a visitor or guest, we're glad you're here. You get to hear a little bit about the future. But that being said, I will say this. This is no less important. God is in the details. And so this morning, if you're keeping notes, I want to help us kind of walk through this plan today. So we see from uh, Nehemiah that the first step in a vision for the future is inspection. And like Nehemiah did, the long-range planning team began their process by inspecting the present situation of the church needs. Nehemiah walked around the walls and inspected the walls. And this, this long-range planning team uh, and these teams, they did that. They did a full inventory of all of our present facilities, classrooms and parking and storage spaces and property, etc. They looked at all attendance data from the last several years. They looked at past master plans here at Enon that had taken place about 20 years ago. They met with city officials from neighboring communities, so from Morris, Kimberly, and Warrior, about future and proposed growth. And so just let me say this, by the way. Just from those communities alone, not including Hayden and Corner and Gardendale and Fultondale and Pinson and other places where people drive to Enon from. So just in our most immediate communities right here, uh, our community is growing at a very rapid pace. In fact, in just those three communities, in the next three years, there are already proposed over 800 new homes to be built in this community. But God is bringing the harvest 
to us. Now that may be, that, that may be difficult as far as trying to, to, to find a house in this community, but as far as the gospel is concerned, it's a great problem for us because people are coming here that we can share the gospel with. This team also met with staff and ministry leaders and did a survey with them to discover needs. They also did a survey with our church council, which doesn't just include our our staff, but also our lay leadership. And then they did a survey of the entire church about what you think our needs are for the days ahead. The results of these surveys, now there was a lot of things in that survey. You had a lot of things to say, uh, church. I don't know who the person was that recommended putting a bathroom in the pastor's office, but thank you for that. But of all the things that came in, it did kind of boil down to two main needs. Two greatest needs were education space, which is classrooms and the ability to be able uh, to do life groups for children, adults, and all that. And multi-purpose space, which is larger gathering spaces to do larger events. Uh, Some of their reasoning behind these needs were this. At present, we have no more preschool space available on Sundays at Enon. And so praise the Lord for that. It's a great problem to have. People be having some babies up in Enon. So that is a good, good thing. Our children's ministry has already begun to displace some of the adult classes on the second floor. And soon, they're coming for every class. Just let you know, they're coming for you. So at present... Our student ministry spaces in the old sanctuary are not suitable for continued growth. At present, we already need to find a new home on Wednesday nights for our our Wednesday night women's Bible study, which is a huge success as they continue to grow, but also as the children meet in that larger classroom on the first floor, they need to be able to split that classroom and go upstairs, but there's nowhere to put the ladies' Bible study. At present, we have no space to do larger outreach events like Better Man for the community or the daddy-daughter date night or to accommodate larger events like the women's conference. And so if you're coming to the women's conference, you're going to be spread out all over, and that's fine for right now, but it, it, it can hinder us in the days ahead. So church, the team found basically that we need space, and we need it now. The second step in this vision was to plan for the planning for the future. In Nehemiah chapter 1, the Bible also makes it clear that, that God was giving Nehemiah a vision or a plan as he was inspecting the walls. In Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 12, he said, I did not tell anyone what God was putting into my mind to do for Jerusalem. You see, God was giving Nehemiah a plan. And and church, I want to be honest with you, that has been the prayer of myself and these teams, this whole process. God, what is your plan? Once our long-range planning team, they evaluated all the data and the present needs, they began praying and working through a plan for the days ahead. Now let me say, at this point, this plan only takes us through a potentially building a new sanctuary at some point in the future. Now, there may be additional things that we will do along the way, maybe like a pastor's bathroom. But other than that, the main things in this plan, though, are to meet the most vital needs of our church, which is worship, discipleship, and outreach. Now, their plan includes nine different phases, and we can accomplish this as the church is able. But right now, this team is recommending that we begin to move forward with phases one and two. So let me tell you what these, what these recommendations are, and then I'll explain them. Recommendation number one, that the long-range planning team recommends that the church move forward with a sanctuary renovation to accommodate, to make it where it can accommodate multi-purpose space as soon as possible. Now let me say this, this would be paid for out of cash on hand already from the overage that we've saved in just the last year and a half from doing the 90-10 thing. Which, by the way, praise the Lord, we can talk about doing a sanctuary renovation and we can pay cash for it on the upside. Can we praise the Lord for that today? And then secondly, the long-range planning team recommends that the church elect a building committee to begin the process of constructing a next-generation building to accommodate preschool children and student ministry for the years ahead. Now, this recommendation is not that we build the building yet, But it's to put that team together, to plan it, to price it, and to present it to the church for a vote. You know, as you know, a process like that, if we started today, it's potentially a two to three year process before it would be completed. And so what they're recommending, let's put the team together and let's start working on that now. Now church, our two greatest needs 
were education space and multi-purpose space. And these recommendations help us meet both of those needs now. We're not choosing one or the other. We're saying let's go and start making efforts towards both of those needs now. We intend to do this so that we do not get behind on our growth and limit our opportunity to reach people for the gospel. So let me tell you a little bit more about phase one and two. Phase one, renovating our sanctuary to accommodate multi-purpose space. Church, this room is our largest room. But at this point, we can only really use it for Sunday morning gatherings. By, by renovating this room to give it the ability to be used for multi-purposes, we open it up to have the opportunity to be used for gospel opportunities throughout the week. Now, when we say multi-purpose, we essentially just mean that it would be able to have sections of the sanctuary where we could set it up with tables and chairs. It will still be a sanctuary. It's not going to be a basketball gym. The major change in this plan would be replacing the pews with chairs that link together to function like a pew on Sunday mornings, but as well would, would be able to be used throughout the week for different needs. It would also give us the opportunity to update our flooring and our welcome areas and paint and just some other maintenance issues that need to be done in this room. And our sanctuary renovation team has done an incredible job working on this, and they have some beautiful renderings, as you see on the screen there. Uh, in the worship center, you would see, again, we'll be able to add new flooring, uh, flooring that would not stain, by the way, in the praise in, in the years ahead. It'll give us an opportunity to dress up the stage area, to accent the choir. And as you see, we would be able to replace the, the pews with chairs, but it would still look like a sanctuary. It is, they would link together just like a sanctuary. Uh, also, this, just to tell you a little bit about these chairs, these chairs are not folding chairs, okay? These are very high-end worship center chairs. They would be comfortable, uh, and again, you can use them, and they would function just like a, uh, a pew. Also, it would give us an opportunity to take the piano and some of our instruments and extend the stage and bring them up on the stage, which again gives us more room on the floor, Another big aspect of the sanctuary renovation would be to update our foyer and our welcome areas. Now, as you know, on Sunday mornings in between services, we can get a bottleneck right here because people are coming in. As larger crowds are coming in, larger crowds are coming out. And one of the main reasons for that is, is our welcome area and our foyer is set off to the side. And so in this sanctuary renovation, we would be able to move a new nice welcome desk out to the front in this larger lobby area. And then we'd be able to open up this part of the hallway or where the foyer is, where the welcome center is now to be able to have some more space and we can redirect uh, traffic there. We'd also be able to add a few TVs into the foyers here. So if mothers with maybe young children, if they have to step out, they'll have some seating. They can step out, but they can still watch the worship service and be able uh, to connect. Probably one of the things I'm most excited about is we'll be able to do some new signage uh, in these foyers to tell people when they come in who we are as a church, to let people know that we're for the glory of Jesus, that we are for our neighbors, that we're for the nations. You know, part of the 150-year anniversary was that we were able to gather some beautiful pictures of, of generations of people serving Jesus here at Enon. Uh, we can creatively use our hallways and things as ways to display some of what God has done over the years to let people know who we are. And then also... We'll be able in this back foyer to update this back foyer. You know, a lot of people now, because we have the lower parking lot, they are using this back foyer as one of the main entrance points. But it's not a very welcoming environment. And people can get confused out there. Just on Easter Sunday, I stepped out there under the awning just for a moment to kind of catch my breath and cool off. And there was a family, they got under the awning and they just kind of started looking around, not knowing where to go. And so by updating that, we'll be able to make that more of a welcoming place as a first impression for people. Let me give you several reasons why the long-range planning team recommends doing this stage first. The sanctuary renovation is the quickest way to alleviate space needs, and we can likely complete it within six to eight weeks, and we can pay cash for it now. Again, we need space, and we need space now. Now, we're going to start working on a next-generation building. That's two to three years in the future. We need space now. This is the quickest way we can alleviate some of our needs, and we can pay cash for it. We have the ability to do that 
uh, now. And the Lord has already given us favor. People have asked, well, where would we go during the construction? Uh, because of us serving the community. And again, I say that with all humility. But because we've been able to love our neighbors as ourselves, and one of the main ways that we've been able to do that is at the Burkett Center at the old Norma Jordan High School just down the road. They've already given us permission to use the gymnasium there for Sunday mornings for worship for a few weeks. We can still do everything here on campus, life groups, everything else, children's ministry. But then you could go just down the road, just a minute down the road, and be able to worship during those few weeks. And it was so neat, that wouldn't be the first time that Enon has met at the, in that facility to worship years ago. Uh, when Enon burned, that's where, uh, when the church uh, facility burns, that's where Enon met. And so it would be a, a neat way to get to do that uh, again. The sanctuary renovation would also allow us to meet some of those next generation education, education needs now while we prepare to meet it more in the future. If we have this ability to set this room up differently, then we could do our Wednesday night women's Bible study right here in this room. We could do women's conferences right here in this room. We could do, uh, the, the, we could do Better Man for the whole community right here in this room. And we could see a lot of people, I believe, come to know Jesus. We've got some great outreach events that we could do if we had that ability right now. And again, here's the truth. If we just build the next generation building first, then we're still years away from doing some of these outreach events. And then also, by having chairs, it gives us the ability to add more seating by cutting our spacing down during big high attendance Sundays. Things like Easter, uh, wild game dinner, some of the, we, we can add more chairs to the room that we can't do uh, presently right now. And then finally, doing the sanctuary renovation allows us to freshen up what we have. This room is beautiful, but it's not perfect. We have big stains on the carpets, the tiles are cracked, the pews are constantly having to be repaired, and it needs to be updated stylistically. Uh, the reality is, is that most of us in this 20 years old, most of us in this room, uh, if, if you've been living in a house for 20 years, you've probably updated the carpet, you've probably painted the walls, you've probably done some of those things, maybe even got new furniture. What God has given us here deserves no less attention. So that's phase number one. Phase number two would then be to assemble the team to begin to plan and prepare to construct a next-generation building. The long-range planning team is suggesting that this building likely be three stories, since it's always cheaper to go up than it is to go out. They are also in that they're recommending that the first floor would be preschool, second floor children, third floor could be student ministry. They are recommending that it be placed next to the Marsh Majestic Road near the east parking lot, this lower parking lot. If you go by there today, you can see a big, uh, a big green area right next to Marsh Majestic Road. The grade of the land would allow most of this building to be underground, which again could cut down on cost. Uh, Part of this next generation building would also be to create some green space. If you see that larger green area off to the side, to go ahead and maybe put in something like a smaller field where kids can play and be able to do some events like that. Also, the placement of the next generation building on that lower end would then allow for that lower parking lot to basically become where most parents and young adults uh, park which then opens up all of this parking on the upper level for most of our senior adults, which makes it easier for them to be able to access the worship center. Church, one of our values here at Enon is that we desire to be a student-filled church. And this plan allows us to take great strides in the days ahead, to give a gift to the next generation here at Enon that will have impact for decades to come. So these first two phases, these are what these teams are recommending that we begin to move forward with as soon as possible. But let me briefly explain the next phases that they've laid out for the future. And so you can follow along with your insert on the screen. Phase number three would be to renovate the first floor of the existing children's building to accommodate it for adult education classes. So once we have a Next generation building, children are able to leave that building, go there, and then the first floor, which is preschool now, that all can become adult education space. And that building alone would serve us for many, many years in the days ahead as adult education space. Phase number four would be to demolish the old sanctuary building to make that more parking for guests and senior adults. 
As many of you know, the old sanctuary's foundation is falling in and it is beyond long-term maintenance and cost-effectiveness. In fact, uh, one of our chairmen of our Building and Grounds Committee, we put so much time and money and effort into that that he said that when that day comes, he would love to drive the bulldozer. And he said if he passes away, somebody hold his ashes while we do that. So... Phase number five would then be to take this green space between our worship center now and the present children's building where the, the little playground is to enclose all of that, to make that a fellowship hall and to be able to add a new kitchen and fellowship hall in there with that. Phase number six would be then to just build a, a connecting corridor between all of these buildings to give us more common space and fellowship space. And then phase seven would be to build a new sanctuary on the west side of our property on the Highway 31 side. You know, church, we are already in two services today, and we are likely not far away from adding a third Sunday morning service at some point in the future. So building a new sanctuary is something that we need to prepare for in the next 10 to 20 years. The reasoning in this team recommending that the building be placed on the Highway 31 side of our, of our facilities because the majority of our people will come from Highway 31. And we talked about what a beautiful thing it would be to be coming up the hill there from Highway 31 and to see this sanctuary be the first thing that you see that we hope and pray would, the Lord would use to just draw people in to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. And then phase eight would be to convert the sanctuary, the present sanctuary, into a large fellowship hall event space. And that's always been the plan in the long-range plan here for this building. And then phase nine would be to construct a new administration building for staff that will have outgrown our present building at that point. And I guess that's when I would get my bathroom. So now I know that this is a lot and there are many steps along the way to accomplish each phase, but it does give us a realistic plan for the days ahead. Now, if you have any questions, this team will be out front. They have some displays there. They'd love to speak with you at the conclusion of the service. But, so as we see from Nehemiah, the first two steps in a vision for the future is inspection and then planning. And then the third step in a vision for the future is communicating. As we see in Nehemiah, once he had inspected the walls... And God had given him a plan. He then rallied the leaders of the people together and communicated the plan, as we see in verse 17. He said, he said to them, You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. You know, once these teams felt like God had given them a plan, they then began to meet with different levels of leadership here at Enon. Enon. Uh, Amy Rice and Jennifer Haynes would present this plan to these different levels of leadership. And I'll tell you where the, what those meetings were. They first met with our entire church staff who agreed to move forward and was excited about this plan. They then met with our entire church council who voted to approve this plan being presented to the church. We then met with our deacons who gave their support in moving forward with this plan. We then hosted a meeting where we invited all of our life group leaders who had not heard this plan yet to come and, and we made their recommendations to them and they expressed their excitement. And then we took an opportunity to present this plan at our monthly senior adult lunch. And after we presented it to our senior adults, they were excited about it. In fact, the only comment that we got from our senior adults was from some of the senior adult ladies that said, at some point in this sanctuary renovation, can we add taller commodes in the women's restroom? And, and while that was not, the restrooms are not part of the overall sanctuary renovation, the building and grounds team assured them that we can put taller potties in the restroom. And now today, we're presenting this plan to you as a church. And again, we'll vote on it next Sunday night. Now, church in a congregation our size, there's no way that any plan that you present, that everybody's going to agree on every aspect of it. However, I can honestly say this, that the overwhelming leadership of our church feels like this is the Lord's will and is excited about it. But I want you to know today a few reasons why I believe in this plan as your pastor. I think it's important for you to know that from me. First, I want to let you know that I support this plan because I do feel like it's God-initiated. Uh, when, when Enon first called me as the pastor here almost two years ago, uh, one of the things that we already knew were there were some facility needs in the days ahead. 
But we have made prayer the point of initiation in everything that we do here. And it was probably about eight months ago to a year ago, I was in this room and I was praying and seeking the Lord. I was reading through my one-year Bible and that day's reading was David preparing, gathering the materials and all these things to build the temple that Solomon, his son, would build. And I clearly felt like the Lord laid it on my heart and said, Zach, it's time to put these teams together. So we rally these teams together, and I believe it's God-initiated. I also believe that it's been prepared by qualified leaders. You know, on the, on the long-range planning team alone, you have Amy Rice and Dean Ferris, both of whom uh, have served at UAB, or Dean served at UAB, and Amy served at St. Vincent's Hospital, and they were part of future building planning for these giant hospitals and how to move people and how to accommodate needs. And so we have great qualified leadership on these teams. And these teams also represent people who have proven themselves to be leaders at Enon for a long time. Joe Denton and Terry Barr and Scott Carlisle, Wendy Turner and Sheila Jenkins, others who have been here, who have served here at Enon over the years. And then, friends, I will tell him, he's sitting right here. One of the first people that I met with when this plan was complete is I sat down with Brother John Hambright as one of my mentors and as a longtime pastor here at Enon who was a big part of building this building and the children's building has been a big part of that in the days ahead. And he expressed his excitement. In fact, the reason why this sanctuary floor is flat and not sloped was because it was always intended to one day be used for multiple ministry opportunities. And then third, I support this plan because it has been approved by essential leaders in our church. Our church staff believes in this plan. Our church council has approved this plan. Our deacons have said they support this plan. And church, I want you to know today that I have never seen a church that God is using mightily that didn't trust and follow the leadership of the church that God has put in place, both staff and lay leaders. Unity happens in a church through humility and submission to godly, qualified leadership. And I believe God has given us some great leaders here at Enon. I also support this plan because I believe it is timely. This plan allows us to meet some present needs quickly with the sanctuary renovation while also preparing to meet some greater needs in the days ahead with the next generation building. I also support this plan because I believe that God has already provided for it financially. I don't think that it's any mistake that before this plan was even really a plan that God had already provided the funds that we needed, not from any capital campaign or building campaign, but just through the overage of your regular tithes and offerings. I don't think that's a mistake. But finally, I support this plan because I believe that it is gospel-centered. Not only will people one day, will we be able to house more preschoolers, more children, more students, and tell them about Jesus in a next generation building. But by renovating the sanctuary, it will give us the possibility for it to be used for multiple events to reach more people for Jesus right now. One of the things that we've seen God has done in the Better Man program, we've done it once with our men at the church, and we could barely fit everyone in the room in the fellowship hall across the street. And we've done it twice at the high school with high school seniors. In every, every, all three of those moments, we have seen people get saved. We would love to be able to open that up to the whole community. To speak to the whole community. What does it mean to be a better man? To be able to share Jesus with them. But folks, we don't have a place to do that right now. I believe this plan lets us start reaching more people for Jesus as soon as possible. Now, let me say this. I understand the, the desire... For godly people to want to keep a worship room, to let it for just to be used for Sunday morning, to keep it like a, a sacred space in some ways, like they did with the temple in the Old Testament. And, and there are things that sometimes we attribute in our mind to being sacred. You think about pews, pews kind of make you think sacred. Some decor kind of makes you think sacred. And, and I think that's a right-hearted thing, but the reality is, is that in the New Testament, there are no sacred spaces. There there is no temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Wherever God's people meet, that is where it is sacred. And so what is our responsibility in the New Testament as far as facilities are concerned? Facilities are not intended to be sacred. They are intended to be stewarded by God's people. And so to be stewarded for the gospel means to make our facilities be used for tools to reach as many people as we can for the gospel. That's the greatest need. 
I remember hearing one of our deacons that come on Thursday mornings uh, that pray for us, uh, that, that pray every Thursday mornings at 5 a.m. One of them prayed this last week, Oh, Lord, may we never be a church that cares more about the style of the chairs, the color of the carpet, than we do about people coming to faith in Jesus. And I think this plan helps us do that. And so finally, this morning, the fourth step in a vision for the future is for God's people to answer the call. And one of my favorite verses in this passage is after Nehemiah shares the plan with them. And in Nehemiah 2 verse 18, he says, they say, back to Nehemiah, let us arise and build. And so they put their hands to the good work. I, I believe that this is the posture that God wants his people to be in. People with full hearts and working hands. And so you might say today, Pastor Zach, how can I answer the call? Let me give you a few ways that you can answer God's call for a vision for the future. First, I would encourage you to join us next Sunday night for prayer at 6 o'clock and then at church conference after that. Let your affirmation be heard. Say, man, I believe in this. I am on board. Secondly, I would say that you can, can answer the call by beginning to find your place to serve. I believe that what God is doing at Enon right now is God is growing us and we're going to see people come to faith in Christ. That is happening because we have so many incredible volunteers just like you. We've got people serving in music ministry and children's ministry and student ministry and senior adults and young marrieds. We've got people serving in so many different areas. And, and so I would say to you today, if you're already serving somewhere, praise God. You're already answering the call. But I would say if you're not serving, then find a place to serve. And one of the first things that you've got to do in order to serve is you've got to become a member of Indian Baptist Church. And join us in a couple of weeks on Sunday night, April 30th, for starting point. Make Enon your church home and then go to work for the kingdom of God. And then finally, you can answer God's call by beginning to give. Again, church, like we said earlier, God has blessed us so much in the days ahead. And we're going to be able to do this sanctuary renovation and pay cash for it. But the, the larger ticket item that's coming in the days ahead will be that next generation building. And so what you can begin to do even right now is above your tithes and offerings. And again, your, your regular tithes and offerings, they need to go to the church in an undesignated fashion first and foremost. But you can even now begin giving towards to, to the building fund. And you can do that. You can write that on your envelope as you give on Sunday mornings. Or you can, when you give online, you can click, click down and there's a little place where you can mark that toward the building fund. And all of those monies will be able to start being saved for that next generation building in the days ahead. Also, there's another way that you can prepare, prepare to give. As you see, this plan, this plan is, could potentially be a couple of decades long for us to be able to do. And so one of the ways that you can do that is you can actually prepare to leave a legacy gift. I know some incredible godly people that as they make their final plans for the days ahead, because we all know one day the Lord's going to call us home, and we all tend to think about when we have our, our wealth or whatever God has blessed us with to be able to give that to our children and grandchildren, that's right and good. But, you know, that's an opportunity. If you've been giving under the kingdom of God your whole life, you have an opportunity then, if one of your last actions, to give a gift to the church for the days ahead for a next generation building or for a long-range plan. And so we've actually got a friend here today, Joey Hocutt, from the Alabama Baptist Foundation. That's what they do. The Alabama Baptist Foundation helps people make financial plans and helps churches be able to make those plans for the days ahead. And so if you're curious about that, stop by Joey's table out here and just say, hey, I'd like to hear from you guys, and I'd like to hear what y'all could do to help us with that in the days ahead. Friends, I'm going to say something to you. I am so excited about what God is doing at Indian Baptist Church right now. I could not be more excited to be your pastor and be so honored right now. But we can't stop now. For the sake of the glory of Jesus, we can't stop now. As God continues to send more and more people to North Jefferson County, we have to be prepared. We have to be ready. And God uses buildings. God uses facilities. God uses those things for his name and glory. And we need to be ready. I'm going to ask our instrumentalists to come. And I'm going to ask this question. Why do we build? Why do we build things? Why do we plan why do we put together plans? Why do we give? Why have we seen for 150 years at Enon Baptist Church, one generation has given and prepared and planned 
for the next generation. The truth is because we know that God uses it. All of us in this room have been, we benefit from generations past of people's faithfulness. But why do we do all of that? And the reason why we do that is because Jesus is real and the gospel still saves people. And friends, that's what it comes down to. This morning, Jesus is alive. And I want you to know, all of it one day is going to burn up. Everything, anything that we build in the days ahead, we pray that God would use it to the nth degree until the day that he decides to burn it up. When he comes at his second coming and he judges all the world and there's a new heaven and a new earth. But while we're here, while we have the opportunity here, and let's take as many people to Jesus, bring as many people to Jesus as we can, and we can be a part of that. Some of you are longtime members here at Enon. Some of you are new members here at Enon. This is our opportunity, this generation's opportunity to say, let us arise and build and put our hands to the good work. But today, none of that matters. Even close to as much as where you will be on that day. When Jesus does return to this earth, or when you leave this world in death, do you know your Savior? The Bible says that we're all sinners separated from God. And that's a real thing. But that Jesus loved us enough that He came to this earth. He died on the cross for our sin and our place in order that we could be forgiven. That we could know Jesus. One of my prayers today was, Lord, on a Sunday where we talk about some important things, but we talk about more some business things. Lord, I pray that even today, you would draw somebody to you to come to know Jesus this morning. So I'm going to invite you all over this room. Would you bow your head and maybe close your eyes just for a moment? Maybe you've been, you, got, you came to church this morning wondering, trying to meet with God, and you showed up and we're talking about buildings, and you're like, God, why am I even here? Well, this may be your moment of the whole morning. This may be the moment why God brought you here. Do you know Jesus? If you don't, I want you to know He loves you. He sees you right there where you are. He wants to save you. You can call out to Him right there. You can pray a very simple prayer. You can pray, Lord, save me. Save me, Jesus. I give my life to you. I believe in you. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you ask Jesus to save you this morning, just between me and you, I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you ask Jesus to save you today, I'm going to ask you just to glance up right there where you are. Nobody's looking around. This is totally between me and you. Say, Pastor Zach, that's me. Just glance up. Keep your eye on me just for a moment there. Is that you here today? What I'm going to encourage you is if you ask Jesus to save you this morning, that here in just a moment as we sing, you can come forward and you can let that be known to one of our pastors here. Or you can take out one of those little cards in the seat back in front of you and you can mark on there, I gave my life to Jesus this morning. Or maybe you need to follow through today and you say, I need to be baptized, Pastor Zach. You can mark that on that little card. Or maybe you need to sign up for Starting Point and make Enon Baptist Church your church home. You can write that on that card. I encourage you, whatever God is calling you to do, you feel free to follow through on that today. Our pastors will be up front. Brother Ken's going to come and lead us in song. Would you stand with me right there where you are?